the, the, this is this is directly from the film. So that, <laughs> I'm not making this up. <laughs> you are absolutely making this up. Welcome to the Flick Lab. I'm Karri Oyala. My co-host is still the legendary Henrik Telkki. A legendary in extreme quotation marks. Legendary in Finnish terms. <laughs> legendary in all the wrong ways. Man of the legend. <laughs> this is a film podcast, if you didn't know. In this we will look at international cinema. And we will go to the US market every now and then. This is a bi-weekly product currently, and we try to look at films in larger overall themes. Like now we're looking at the one director's entire filmography. Mind you, it's not going to be very large this time, but uh, nevertheless, how is my co-host? Extremely busy. Once again, from on a scale from one to ten when it comes to being busy, and once again on that, please shoot me now point. So typical Finnish way. Yeah, I have to do like three sculptures for the local design week, plus the goddamn snow sculptures for the for the main stage, and I have a small academic paper to write. So no stress at all. Well, at least it's not sculptures or lobotomy. I I could use one about this point. Well, we have one person just to do that job in one of these films. Yeah, so we are both from Finland, so I believe you will be in agony of the Finnish rally accent for the next couple of hours. Hope you can comprehend our mumbling. Well, well, you know, not knowing some of the listener feedback we have been getting in the past, perhaps it's better if you don't actually make any sense of the mumbling. But at least there is... Uh... There is a sense to the mumbling in a way that Henrik is going to be master of arts. Now studying in, in the University of Lapland while I'm here in the southern area of Finland in the capital Helsinki and studied media for a couple of years. Helsinki also known as the Corona Hot Zone, the dead zone, the no-go zone. Yeah, well, and you are in the middle of the woods there to be captured by somebody like from The Chaser, the film that we're going to discuss soon. Well, well, see, seeing how I'm a, I'm a university student in Finland, prostitution is pretty, pretty likable future venue for me when the once, once again the financial troubles hit. Is this suggesting that there's a lot of prostitution at your university? Well, it's, it's kind of suggesting that every student in Finland is so rat ass poor that prostitution is pretty much gonna take te- you take it road for for Finnish students oh yeah but I wasn't talking about you we already know about you okay <laughs> <laughs> so the chaser and the yellow sea and the whaling are the three main targets that we're gonna discuss tonight but also two of his short films that we might discuss first because they are first on the menu if we go chronologically year-wise Nao Jing was actually considered a director who may have been the most discussion-evoking director before 
Bong Joon-ho, who has directed, for example, the, Par- the Parasite film. So a lot of you know, societal discussion that he started with. At least his first film, and definitely very thought-evoking films in general, especially if we look at the direction of The Wailing. His uh, stories seem to be a little bit scattered in the narrative ways. There's a lot of points of interest. You think you're following a certain plotline until you're given like a certain other plotline that seems to take hold of the story as we go on, and then it's kind of a multi-layered, multi-stacked. It's not your like consumer piecemeal that you go to watch in, in the cinema. Kind of time and time again, we, we find something kind of different and exciting from the direction of, of South Korea. For example, you just need to look at the running time of The Wailing, this 2016 horror film from him, which is two and a half hours. It's not very common running time for a horror film. One could, of course, argue if that length was justified. But moving on. In 2003, he directed, wrote, and produced the 2003 film Five Minutes, short film which we were unable to find, or were you able to find it? Uh, no, unfortunately, nope. And this was followed by a 2005 short, A Perfect Red Snapper Dish, which he directed and wrote. Also did something to the sound. Well, <laughs> here we already see kind of his kind of a way of telling very violent stories. But not only violent, there is also kind of the the humor or sick humor aspect in it, as we can see. Yeah, the red snapper dish, the perfect fish plate, which I I guess is another English title for for the the short. Outside of the yellow sea, I... this, This perhaps might be one of the more violent films from his his filmography it's not not in the sense that there would be like super lot of of violence not so that there would be super lot lot of necessarily gore especially in in detailed detailed gore but when you kind of uh, take it and put it side by side with the running time you actually get Pretty much different types of violence, different uh, also somebody horror in in the perfect faceplate. Yeah, and for people who haven't seen the film and who have no intention of watching the film, it's uh, about a cook who gets a work order to do the perfect red snapper dish, but of course something goes wrong and he has to do the dish over and over and over again, and things get a little psychotic in the kitchen. And body parts start dropping off. So uh, body horror, as you said. Then at the end, well, there is the the customer who has died. One could only wonder what happened there. Was it like he was cooking it for several hundreds of years and <laughs> spent years of cooking? And then we have the nice two shot to end all that in the restaurant. From from his body of work, Red Snapper Dish also is the. The most clearly, it's it's the most hilarious, like most comedic movie. It's an as a nine minute short film. It is it is a comedy movie, like first and foremost. There are comedic uh, comedic elements in in his other films as well. Perhaps most in the Wailing and the least in in the Yellow Sea, but the Red Snapper Dish. Is it is the the only direct comedy 
that he has done. Could be. That being said, the biggest laughs that I I have is during the chaser. Say of that what you want, but I think there is a lot of comedic value here. And somehow seeing the kind of the the play between the main characters in that film is great fun to watch. It's something about just the kind of the the characters of the actors perhaps themselves that I think it's a, it's a great match, great performances too in both of these movies, The Yellow Sea and The Chaser from these same actors. And a perfect red snapper dish also ends, ends in a kind of a downer ending. This is a recurring theme in his films. Then in 2007, he did the short film Sweat. And as by the title suggests, it's about sweat, sweat dropping as droplets into several surfaces. I kind of enjoyed that this is this is kind of seamlessly cutting from from scene to scene. We have a person who is sweating, and then the droplet drops somewhere, and then you kind of seamlessly cut to the next scene where somebody is sweating. It's kind of a continuous continuous story in a way, although there is not really story per se. It's just the sequences of sweat. Very artistic film. Yeah, perhaps the most most surreal movie from the filmography. Yeah, I particularly enjoyed perhaps the most seamless transition from what was sex and then suddenly giving birth, actually giving kind of the creepy vibes there. And perhaps that came out of nowhere. You didn't expect that when we have the sweat scene of the boxing. Uh, there is blood and there's sweat and then we see a guy who is drinking and then we realize that the boxing is actually coming from the TV. There is a massage... There's car scene, ironing, cooking, eating, boxing, drinking, sex, giving birth, all coming together, believe it or not. I guess that's everything we have to offer to our listeners regarding the short films. I, I would say to there, like I have to confess, I don't think there's too much to dissect from the short films themselves. There, there is the comedy of, of the Red Snapper dish. And then there is the the more kind of experimental, more more artistic touches of of the sweat. You can kind of see 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 his short films as as kind of kind of a building blocks for artistic decisions that he he later uses in his features, or to put it in other words, you can see them as as him trying different type of stars and different type of uh, cinematic storytelling devices that later on come to play in, in the feature films like in in red snapper dish you can you can see see, see the trying and at the attempts at comedy and later on in in his films even though the the features are more serious in the in the tone you can you can kind of see it Carrying out first, I do this comedic short film, then I do serious features that still have the comedic element. And with the sweat, you can kind of see him trying, trying extreme close-ups, and also trying different types of cinematic transitionings that later on you can occasionally see in in his features, especially kind of the use of, usage of close-ups. Yeah, there are some uh, parallels, some connecting parts in uh, all of the films. In part, probably because uh, the scriptwriter, director himself, has been dabbling uh, there quite a lot. 
sometimes these occur in surprising ways. Sometimes they are less obvious. Of, of course, that being said, it's kind of a take a notice. Notice that a director uses close-ups in his films. It's it's not really any any kind of a deeply insightful film criticism <laughs> at at all. Like no shit, <laughs> films have close-ups. But uh, some quite artistically close-ups. Herrick quote: "Women shouldn't be sluts, and the rich should know what they've done." End quote. I, I I take no sides on that argument. <laughs> this is uh this is from the serial killer Yo Young Chul, for which the first film that we're probably gonna discuss tonight is based on The Chaser. But uh, Henrik, god damn it, this director is quite a capable guy. But uh, so The Chaser from 2008. Well, what's your experience with Chaser, Henrik? Uh, to me, Chaser was an unknown little film from an at the time unknown director. I I found the DVD. It was circulating in in Finland. Was it Asian? No, it wasn't. Uh, I don't know what was the, or I don't remember what was the the Finnish DVD release lineup, in which Chaser ended up being. Um, PirateBay.org. No, no, no! <laughs> this, this is a this is an honest film podcast. You goddamn pirate! <laughs> yeah, just kidding. But it it was it was circulating in 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 Finland to this date, as far as I know. The Chaser is the only film from Hongina who has gotten a DVD release in Finland, and even that one was pretty limited. But that essentially, like buying an obscure Korean thriller film from an obscure Korean director, that's kind of is is my past experience with the Chaser. My experiences with the Chaser, I saw it for the first time when I was doing my Kauhenyä once again the movie horror movie festival. Well, the the Chaser, I guess, guess it can be discussed if it's really horror but that's also one of the genre genre tags that was given to the film so i took my chances and went with it without seeing it uh this is dahon ching's first feature film he gets to showcase how he kind of equates crooked cops to chasers it's uh, quite poetic henrik why do you think i think the director is a bit too passionate about his alcohol consumption look up for the sequel called switchel Referring to the, the the drink that you take following a vodka, the chaser. About the actors a bit, Eric. Uh, Korean cinema, your favorite topic, so. On my part, extremely unknown di- uh, actors. Mm. So we have Kim Yon Sok, made his acting debut in 1988 with a streetcar named Desire. Actually, it's a theater play, but. Breakthrough in movies came with Choi Dong Hoon's Does at the High Rollers, where the audience has praised his performance as a gambler. Kim once again came to the attention of the film fanatics in the heist movie The Thieves, which I unfortunately haven't seen, but who cares? It became the second best-selling Korean film of all time. And then he went on to do Why a Monster Boy, 
which I can recommend to our listeners, by Zhang Junhuan. And then we have our antagonist for this film, Ha Chung-wo, uh, born in 1978. Uh, in 2005, he adopted the stage name Ha Chung-wo, and he was born Kim Sung-hoon. <laughs> and his whole family, at least the father and brother, they are also actors. And he always dreamed of following on that line. He appeared in his first starring role in The Unforgiven uh, in the film about the physical and psychological violence in the military ranks. And uh, just like the protagonist actor Kim Yun-suk in this film, uh, his breakout was The Chaser. Even Martin, Martin Sorsese has come forward and praising the, the actor for Departed. The Chaser is kind of a hopeless film. And you could say that all of his feature films end up with a downer note, as stated. In the case of The Wailing, perhaps you can make some <laughs> alternative readings. But it, it seems that all of his films seem to end on a downer note. This film feels quite hopeless, and it's not exactly doing what you may, may first think that it is doing as it's actually concentrating on the kind of the relationship of these two characters, antagonist, protagonist, and whatever happens around them is kind of a secondary, hence, for example, the shock killing of the, of the woman in the end. And it's also making societal statements. It, it seems that all of the films, actually all of these three films, are very critical of the police force. And that's also what he wanted to convey, and, and via that, to also hopefully evoke some change. Yeah, criticizing the police force also kind of a taking a look at smaller institutions is, is kind of a the running theme, I would say in 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 his three feature films. You you get you get these these smaller, more singular environments or institutions in, in his films like in in the chaser uh, a lot of a lot of the weight or, or the or the emotional impact it revolves around a small secular group that is is the pimp the, the serial killer and the prostitutes so you you have a pimp customer and and prostitutions which which kind of a form the the environment around which Chaser's story happens. In the Yellow Sea, that's heavily relies on immigration. And then in the Wailing, you have the, the the small kind of a cut off town. Not not even a city, but but a town. And the the local township police force that they have. And I would say that in many ways this is even the best written film from from him. Uh, uh, well, uh, you could also praise the, the unconventional way in which the, the whaling is structured. But what I mean in the case of Ch The Chaser is that there is a actual proper arc for our main, main protagonist, uh, where he first is this kind of a ruthless pimp ex-police having this very shady ways of operating and running everything and just at first it's about getting his 
business going and, 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 and getting money and paying his debts by finding this prostitute. And maybe it's also more of a kind of a personal thing that what the hell is happening to all of my prostitutes and I need to get, get these people back and get this whoever it might be selling my ladies to elsewhere back in order. Uh, but then uh, somewhere around perhaps the mark when he gets involved with the little girl of this prostitute, it, it starts to sh- shift. Actually, it's a little bit before that when it becomes kind of a, his passion project. He, he, he has an emotional attachment to finding this lady in good health. Yeah, character devel- development-wise, Chaser might be the the kind of a strongest. Um, the Yellow Sea and the Wailing, even though they both both films also have a prominent central character, they more revolve around kind of the plot structure or the happenings surrounding that character. And the cha- it changes in, in those stories. They more, more happened more in, in the name of the situation surrounding our character changes in somehow. And there is a, there's a kind of a plot-related twists. Whereas in, in The Chaser, the the main changes, the main twists happen in in the way how you see the main character and how the main character kind of emotionally wise change changes in course of the film. Yeah, um, uh, even though the chaser is also easier to read, it's it's clearly the easiest film to digest. Uh, well, apart from maybe the violence, but I mean it's 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 very easy to understand what is going on throughout the film. That, that is clear, but what I'm saying, I, yeah, like you said, character development might be the best here, and I think it's it might be the best overall result as a movie, that the Yellow Sea has its own problems that we can dig a bit deeper later, but, uh, and then the Wailing, well, it has sometimes kind of split the general audience, but I see that the critics seem to pretty much 100% agree that this is a fantastic uh, product. I, I don't know. I kind of am extremely mixed when it comes to the chaser. Mm-hmm. Whereas the film does does have the most kind of a character related arc, I felt that the actual narrative arc in the chaser is is perhaps the most most. It it obviously it wants to be on a left field, but at the same time. I, I kind of had a problem connecting with the narrative core of, of of the plot structure within the chaser. Like in its core, the chaser is it's a police procedural where yeah. it very much works in the same way as as your typical cop movies. You you have a criminal, you have the inciting incident, the crime, and then you have the investigation. Except in, in un, unlike in your typical uh, cop movie, police procedural, your investigator movie, in, in The Chaser, you are following a, a protagonist who really isn't really trying to solve the case that the film presents to you. You, you are following an investigator who... Is, is doing an investigation, but that investigation is completely wrong one. The main character in The Chaser is 
is looking for a missing prostitute. Coming from the perspective that that prostitute has fallen into human trafficking. Like the main assumption of our main hero in The Chaser is that the prostitute he's looking for has been abducted or kidnapped and then sold further. And this is the investigation you are following throughout the film while at the very beginning of the movie it's made extremely clear to you that what we are following is a serial killer movie and there is an attempted murder murder which then turns into a near death and well in 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 the final moments to an actually success murder but that's kind of a like that there, there's a disconnect between what our main character is, is investigating and what is the actual case of the film and to some people that may work extremely well some way even see that as as taking taking a renegade spin on on the whole police procedural film type but at the same time to me it me personally it let kind of a, a bit disjointed from, from the narrative proceedings in the film essentially we are looking we are looking at at a police or detective character to whom the main plot twist at the end of the film is that the serial killer of the movie is actually, you know, killing people. It's kind of like Silence with the Lambs, if you would follow Clarice turning throughout the film. And then on the final minutes, Clarice would realize that, oh my God, yeah, Buffalo Bill, he has been killing these women. Well, I, I, I'm not sure where you're going with this, like saying that you can't combine a plotline where we have a police procedural police investigation and kind of a pimp character who is kind of doing their job for them where the pimp is kind of the audience there's a kind of doing what the audience might have, might have been doing it's just a regular citizen in a way who is trying to lead this investigation because the police is not doing anything which is the point of the story to show that the, the police is incapable and something needs to be done about it and I think one key element that needs to be introduced into this discussion is the original case and what happened there, because it's all brewing from there. There was this real South Korean serial killer who had been in some kind of a relationship. Then that relationship fell apart. Something happened and he just started killing people one by one. And it took very long before the police started to get the investigation properly going and, and at one point they actually had the killer in their hands and then they had to let him loose he proceeded to kill even more people and he managed to kill many people before he was finally captured and is currently waiting for his death sentence which will probably not be even executed judging from the fact that South Korea hasn't done any executions killing people for for their crimes since 1997 but that's the official verdict of the court judge so essentially it's it's a critique of this type of happenings well it, it is a critique of the of the happenings yes i i wouldn't take it as far as to say that it shows the shows the police being extremely ineffective the film because in in the chaser the cops are actually as ineffective as or is the main main protagonist really well the main protagonist at least is doing 
most of the investigations for them and he, he is leading it as, as best as he can and he is getting more involved and and able once he gets perhaps emotionally attached to it. Uh, yes, yes, he is getting more emotionally invest, uh, invested with the investigation. But at the same time, both parties, the, the main character and the police force of the film, they, they kind of do the exact same things and they end up in the, in the same resolutions at the same time. Yeah, like, bo- bo- both the main character and the police force. If you want to criticize the way how, how the cops lose the suspect, and which leads into into the film's killer, you know, being freed once again because the the bureaucracy and and the red tape come come into the cops' way, that there is a quickly shown a lawyer character who comes to the police station once they have up, uh, apprehended the, the suspect and are performing interrogations who informs the cops that they have to release the suspect since the time limit for which they can actually, you know, held him captive without raising any, like, a, a, any proper indictment for his arrest. And... Well, that the cops ma- don't don't manage to to charge him properly before that time limit ends up ends, and therefore they are forced to to release him. This is kind of something that also happens with our main character, who also loses the suspect. The cops and the main character they also eventually find the suspect at the the climax of the film around the same time. The, the difference there is just plus one fight scene for our main prot- uh, protagonist. And before, you know, our main protagonist actually managed to come up into this co- conclusion, the cops have managed to figure out that what they are dealing with is a killer and not a human trafficker. So they, in, in my opinion, they are kind of, that the both parties, the main character and the police force, are as as, as effective throughout the film. They both do the, the, the similar type of, or, or they face the similar ty- type of mistakes. The main one, which is, you know, losing your suspect. Yeah, well, it, when it comes to the, to the human trafficking, or is he a killer or not, it's not even something that the police is able to conclude or deduce it's just something that they presume and start the investigation based on that because they are running out of time and they would have actually had more time but there is this uh, what is this chief police or section chief or something like this and sends the message back to the headquarters that we need to get rid of this thing this this guy right now before this thing explodes before we get all of these accusations that look at what the police has done while the mayor is getting, well, literally shit-faced, where they actually <laughs> are are now kind of more fucked because they let him loose. So yeah, it's a, always kind of a balancing act. When it comes to the whole protagonist's arc, he starts off as an asshole, but he becomes a better person. He kind of becomes a kind of the, the, the part of the, the regular people, kind of their, their voice. The, the, he's now facing off with this bad guy in the end, which is what everybody kind of, I, I believe, wants to see in the cinema, this little face-off, and wants to prevent the murdering of, of the prostitute. 
but it's unable to do that and upon that realization it hits the character that yeah i haven't been actually on top of this thing and and then it's just showing what what happens when you are not emotionally involved in these cases especially true for something like a prostitute um which is a theme once again that happens in all of his f films at least two of them there is somebody who is actually it happens in all of the three films there is always a character who is kind of perhaps outside the law or perhaps the best term for this is somebody mar marginalized and uh, this is where the the disinterest happens we have a prostitute or we have uh john sock or we have a village fool who's throwing rocks but actually has an insight into our investigation but maybe it could be said that this is what the chaser is doing i, I can see that it's not working for everybody and i'm not saying that it necessarily is kind of tying all the ends so well by the end you know what i mean i i, I think it doesn't really perhaps it's kind of lacking like a better punch at at the point that it's making maybe it's speaking more to korean audiences via these real life events but it wasn't satisfying enough to you is that it to me the the, the narrative composition you are following an investigative who, an investigator who is studying the wrong case essentially it didn't work exactly to, to me, it led into into a, a kind of a disconnect with the film where I was, I was constantly waiting. When does the main investigator or main protagonist finally catch up with the case and start to to you know inspect and study the real case, the real crime that has happened? But that's kind of what made this film exciting because as the audience, we know more than the than the characters on screen and then you're just having this kind of agonizing feeling like please can you already figure it out and you're just kind of shouting at the screen like and and then they finally managed to to get there and and then kind of the tension evaporates when the the woman gets killed it was almost there but you couldn't quite, quite get there it also has quite magnificent chase scenes and at least one of them, if not all of them, they used different villages combined in the shots to make these running scenes more fascinating with the with the, how they look. They wanted the right hilly look and combined with the music that is playing with this intense drumming, it's uh, some of the greatest stuff in a while. It must be some of the best scenes in the entire film. There are some frustrating points here when the prostitute is going to this flat of the of the uh, killer and i kept wondering why does she have to go all the way into the flat like why why couldn't couldn't you just get through the the front porch and then try to send a message behind his back but no he goes all she goes all the way in and then tries to send a message losing her chances the scene with the wall painting it's hard to see first of all what it all means and what it's depicting Behind, behind that wallpaper when we have the painting and there is this kind of a pullback shot when our protagonist is looking at the whole painting and entire room and there's this kind of a music that is evoking supposed to evoke the emotions of this is some kind of a big deal right you need to understand what is going on here and 
or or that this is a this is a big deal and then only later on we make the connection to what it is and it seems to be Jesus Christ himself what happened in the scene where the young girl or the girl is unconscious on the ground and there's some food on the ground do you have a theory what the hell happened there i uh, i just took it that she was had been punched by someone who who is is never shown to you nor is the is the incident itself kind of dangerous neighborhoods also enjoyed most of what happens at the police station and the banter between the protagonist and antagonist and, uh, and for example where the what what I will call the 4885 the sapalparo guy just giving these faces like of confusion and then just kind of mumbling it out that he killed all of those people that is talking about serious matters but it's also made with kind of a comedic value if if you will and showing the psychoticness of the character also love all the reaction shots at 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 the at the um, pimp for example this is fucking insane the, the police is not listening to him in any way it's a funny confession or the <laughs> does it taste delicious bastard is this time to eat chocolate and all those looks henrik was dead serious throughout the entire film well i wasn't picking any favorite lines if if that's what you are looking for yeah minus that <laughs> this is fucking insane shiba shiba would that be the yellow sea then well why not the perhaps kind of a most traditional most i, I would say easy to follow film what um, there's a lot of crossing storylines here uh, you yeah yeah you, you you have some but i wouldn't say any of them were really that co- like complex or hard to follow even though though you have them to quickly summarize the yellow sea you have the r- r- down on his luck cab driver who has a gambling problem has a kid wife has left so you have the, the first storyline is where where is the wife what has happened because he's he's up to his neck in depth the taxi driver out of desperation takes takes the main plotline of the film which is assassinate random dude x but th- then you have the assassination plotline where first of all you follow the cab driver as he he's preparing and planning the attack then you have the attack where essentially the target's ca- limo driver or chauffeur is the one who stabs him in and then he pe- and the cab driver becomes blamed for for a murder he did not commit and is now being chased by the cops also the criminal element of south korea and then as a as a kind of third plot line you have the business dealings with 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 the south korean criminal element and the main kind of a gangster the main human trafficker so essentially you you have you have three plot lines from which the, the first one missing wife is is the personal character motive emotionally driven storyline it's also the one that we least spend time with and then then you have what actually happened with, with the hit 
or the contract killing. Why was why did the chauffeur kill kill his his boss? And that kind of a crosses with with the whole Yanjin South Korean gangsters making a deal or coming to terms plotline. Yeah, so the gangsters are North Koreans who moved to China. And what what is clear is that there is this character who is sent from Yanbian, a poor guy who is in debt and his wife has moved to South Korea with with the guy's money that he has borrowed and now he's waiting for the money to be sent back to him from his girlfriend or wife who is now in South Korea and then, then nothing is ever heard from her. That's one part of the mystery in the film. And then there is this in this, this, this chauffeur who suddenly kills his boss. But everything beyond that gets a little bit fucked up and we will get to that. So first of all, like for the most of the entirety, most of the film, I was seeing that this business guy is also related to the death of this guy who the chauffeur went to kill. But apparently they are actually, or had been actually good friends. And then this business guy is dealing with this, this, this guy who sent the guy to kill his boss friend. They have some business together, although nobody knows what the, what kind of fucking business it is, but they, but now the business guy is making the proposition for him that they could split the money related to something and the business guy was never even related to the killing so it's entirely something else who the fuck knows what no 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 it's it's business guy it's it's business guy and the target's wife there are two hits put on to the same dude by basically two different persons business guy wants his business partner the target dead because target has been stuffing dick into business guy's wife so there's a whole cheating thing. And then the target's wife also wants, to, wants his husband dead because of, you know, the, the whole cheating thing. What the fuck? Where, where was it established that the, like, the business guy has anything related to any dick problems? He he's outright states it during his final death moments. It's the last thing that he said. Well, okay. Well, th- that was super random. What what woman? The lady who was in one scene that, or was it a prostitute? I don't know. Was it a wife? I don't know. No, who no. Uh, business guy's wife is is not being shown in the film, but he has one and has and... sex with some other lady. Okay, got it. No, so, <laughs> so, 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 so. Uh, there, there are two businessmen in in the film: Target and Business Guy. And Target and Business Guy both have wives. And Target has been sleeping with Business Guy's wife. Well, what he was saying when he was doing his dying breaths, I took that that just as some kind of a random mumbling that didn't make any goddamn sense. But apparently it has some plot device on it going on. Got it? That, uh, it's, it, it's a confession where he... Gives out a motive. Why have your friend killed? Yeah, but what friend? The target who gets stabbed. Uh, Like the dude everybody wants to kill in the first third of the film. Right, but it doesn't make any sense. Because then there is... 
let's go further in the film. There is the confession. The the one group it, it finds out that some guy said he paid people to kill Kim Song Hyun, the target. Someone who came by a stair, uh, to, to a store often said he wanted to kill Kim Jong Un, and so it's 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 this young Bian bastard who wants to kill the the target, doesn't succeed. Somebody else kills this guy who is working, um, whose boss is somebody who is related to this chauffeur. Somebody ordered this, and then and then the prisoner continues that, quote, my wife told me that a French lover in Yongil did that line of work, end quote. And the person who has taken the job is the bastard in Yang, Yangbin, who comes back to South Korea. And it, 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 it's, it's nothing more than just, just a long lineup of, of people trying to outsource the, the killing. To someone below him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, okay, okay. Let's say that. Let's say that this business bastard, who, how the fucking call these bastards, a uh, Taewon, Taewon finds this confession that somebody ordered to kill the guy that he already wanted to kill himself succeeded, and then he is pissed off that this other guy also had the assignment to kill the bastard, but wasn't able to do it. Why this young Bian taxi driver? What is wrong with you? You got what you wanted. It's done. What's your problem? Well, it's it's the traditional tie up the loose ends thing. You you always in these type of films you always always double cross the person who you who well somebody has hired to do the actual killing. Okay, but this other guy is his supposed to his be his friend. Yep. But then but then. They meet, and the businessman is pissed off because a couple of his associates have been killed in that hotel room. They meet, they want to split money for something, and then he's super pissed when when he hears that somebody else has been trying to kill this guy, and oh, it's that bastard who used to be my friend. And then there's also some fucking going on in the background, and there's a lot of fucking going on in this film. There's this one woman who as you said, supposedly is not the wife. Then there is this uh, kind of our main protagonist who comes to, to kill the guy and doesn't succeed and wants also some fucking to do, but is unable to locate the wifey. And the wifey has been fucking with some other guy and then gets killed because he wanted she wanted to return to Yang Bian, supposedly. Whew. Your, your summary of the film somehow made it more confusing for me than the film itself. The, the, this is this is directly from the film. So no, <laughs> I'm not I, making I, this I, up. <laughs> you, you are absolutely making this up. <sighs> that taxi driver's wife is is living. She's alive. Comes back home at the at the very end of the film. No. Yeah. No. No. Yeah. Not even that. Yeah. Because yeah. that that that's just something that seems to be inside our lead character's head. That that's what she's he's visioning. Just like there is a visioning. In the chaser. No, 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 no. The the whole whole basically plotline about the what was it? The, the fish salesman who kills the 
the, the lady he has been having affair Which with. doesn't make any sense to begin with, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a different incident. It's, it's, yeah. it's not the taxi driver's wife. Well, but it's heavily he, he suggested that, the that it is. He mistakes the identities. Luke goes looking for his wife, ended up in the, in the wrong apartment. Yeah, and it's uh, looked up by some guy that we don't know anything about. This is a random guy checking on on the wifey uh, on that. Yeah, precisely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Taxi driver's wife is is at the end of the film. She's alive and well and comes back home. Maybe at least in a vision or wherever she is. She takes the train, leaves the train somewhere. Back at the 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 goddamn. Train train station where where they all all leave to to South Korea. Uh, leave to South Korea. Yeah. You, you know the road is from Yangbyan. You take the train to the Chinese coast, and then you cross the Yellow Sea and come to South Korea by switching yeah, 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 switching yeah, yeah. boats and, and shit. Yeah, and and the wife kind of does does the same trip that she t- first did from Yangbyan. To, yeah. to South Korea, she now yeah. reverses it. Comes from South Korea back to Yanbian. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Of course, it that would fit nicely with the what seems to be usually the mo of the director that you have the downer ending and actually the wife was all along all fine, loved very much this this guy and wanted to go back with the money. Why she is going there with the money and didn't call on anything? That's interesting. And when you take into account everything that was said about the wifey being a little bit bit misch- mischievous in South Korea, yeah, yeah, yeah. But the whole mischievous mischievous thing comes comes from some more conservative older lady who apparently has never liked the wife. It's just it's just bad mouthing, and then killing some random woman. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. The the lady the the one who ends up killed is is some random woman. Yeah, okay. Well, could be. But, you know, this this film has some quite fantastic chase scenes, and they're pretty intense. Uh, something where it's just uh, about milliseconds uh, before you might be potentially dying, but, of course, it's kind of implausible in many ways how the escapes happen, and, you know, I, I made a kind of a list here of the damage taken by our protagonist, First, get shot in the shoulder, then stabbed in the leg. Two, four cuts in the hands or the body, axe to the back, and get stabbed in the car trunk, and still going. Yeah, it, it, it does that typical typical action movie thing where where you the main character gets hit and shot like five million times, and and there's there's really really no no permanent damage to a dude. Yeah, I was thinking yeah. thinking a hell of a lot. Of Taken and other Liam Neeson action films as I was watching The Yellow Sea. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, this is... Uh, it's kind of a more pleasant than having firearms all the time. And besides, you know, you're in South Korea, you're not going to get anywhere near firearms anyway. So better just pick up that axe when you're in that gang while you're at it. And it gets the fight scenes a little bit more physical or more personal when that happens. And kind of digging that when fingers fly off. There was some praise also for the car chase scenes where you have a lot of shaky cams. Well, you have like handheld cam for a lot of the a lot of the movie, if not kind of all of it. Uh, but but it's clearly done as a kind of a shaky cam in that car chase 
which can be a little bit irritating if you start paying attention to it, as always. But um, yeah, not a big deal. I quite enjoyed that. What is in the box? The white box that gets dumped into the yellow sea. Uh, it's the ashes from from the unrelated to lady that gets killed by by the you know the fish salesman guy. Okay, they had time to get that too. What the fuck? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, the taxi driver, like there's there's that moment when the taxi driver guy, because of the mistaken identity, thing thinks that that the w- lady who has been killed by the ice, that the fish salesman guy, would would be his his wife. So there is that moment when when sh- when he pays or orders the dude. The random dude that he has he has sent to to identify the corpse, the lady's corpse at the police station, and the dude goes there and and is is like, uh, it's it's sort of a mess. I can I can't really say if if it's the same lady as in the photograph, but still you know tells the yeah. cab driver that yeah 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 it's it's your wife, it's the same lady. I I saw it clear as day, and it's in that moment that cab the, the cab driver tells tells the dude that you know have her cremated as soon as possible, and yep. later on there is the exchange when he gives the dude two to five hundred for you know for for his services and and the ashes that are in the box. Yeah, okay, but the the wife scenes by the train station isn't all of that shown when. The protagonist is already on the boat and has kind of lost consciousness or is dreaming. And then after the credits roll or between the credits, you have this kind of added scene where she departs the train. And so it could be kind of left open-ended there. That is it really happening or is it not happening? I didn't like, get that from 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 those scenes. To me, it was really clear that that wife comes back home. I kind of in, enjoyed those first-person shots, with, which get a little bit blurry. For example, was it in the one of those vans with several people who are getting smuggled smuggled into the country? He falls asleep there. It gets blurry. Then he wakes up, gets back from the blurry with the with the sound and something that was in the chaser, where where the woman was about to get bludgeoned to death. Finally, she sees or thinks these images of 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 her daughter and in a way the same happens here by the end the the guy is seeing visions of of the of the lady friend at the train station that's how i kind of read that i'm not sure if there was also the daughter in those visions because i think you should have been thinking of that daughter as well but i, I guess here it was only the girl or the woman What's your experience with the Yellow Sea? Never seen it before. Same here. I have been aware of its existence for for some years, but I've never actually checked it out myself. I'm not entirely certain if there is a finished DVD release of, of the Yellow Sea. Right. As previously mentioned, my experience when it comes to, to the talk... Talks around in the director and and you know getting DVDs out of his films is is precisely that that I didn't find any discussion, you know, centering around the director uh, before before waiting 
And when it comes to, to getting DVDs, the, the only DVD that I have been able to, to find in Finland as a Finnish release would be the Chaser. And then the Yellow Sea and the Wailing. Those would be then be your amazing orders. Would that be the Wailing? Well, why not? Quote, I'll shoot this and go to hell, end quote, said by cinematographer Hong Kyung Po regarding this film. This is because it seemed that the cinematographer got a little bit obsessed about getting every image to his liking. He went to the woods and according to the director, he was a little bit even possessed almost, like going to forbidden places in the woods looking for those perfect shots at which point the director himself started to scratch some of his storyboards because he realized that this guy is doing better work than I am. So then there was this one shot that they wanted of the village, I believe some kind of a overall establishing shot. And in the way was a tree, this pesky tree ruining my shot. And then the cinematographer was con- contemplating that, dude, we have to cut this tree so we get our shot. But apparently this particular tree was of the holy sort, or the kind of sort that the villagers thought that is protecting the place, something that shouldn't be cut. And the director remarked, if you're gonna cut this tree, then you might go to hell. And uh, the cinematographer thought about this answer for a second and then said, well, I'll shoot this and go to hell. So he got the tree. <laughs> After which, both the director and cinematographer went to have a little shaman session of their own to not leave any ill effects on the gods or whatnot. So that's the level of dedication going on here. What's your experience with the whaling? Uh, originally saw it when it start, came out. Somewhere around 2016, 2017, when, well, well the West found the film and the whole original discourse around the film started in the West. Okay, I saw this uh, about a month ago because I saw that everybody of my friends who had been watching the film said that it was absolutely fantastic and five stars, five stars, five stars, fantastic. So I just had to see what all the fuss is about. Police corruption, once again in this film. The police is late to places, police sloppy with the evidence, touching it, police is scared, police is generally incompetent when the possible culprit is right under their noses, but they seem to ignore it pretty terrifically. Yeah, I I don't know about corruption. To me, it was, as you put it, incompetence more than anything true sinister or or something done with a malicious intent like, you know, corruption. Not corruption or incompetence in the level of anything in the chaser. Some rules are being broken there. This is something that happens also in the Yellow Sea. The, the police is incredibly incompetent in catching the young young guy who is fooling them left and center and right. Then again, I would say that in the Yellow Sea, the cops are the, perhaps the most competent, and in the Wailing, they are the mo- least competent. Well, you know, the, the, the chaser kind of being in the middle ground, 
pretty incompetent, but at the same time being as incompetent as our main character. Then again, the protagonist falls on the police's lap on all of those police cars and then still manages to escape in the Yellow Sea. But I see what you're getting at here. This is the most religious and less grounded film of his. We can definitely say that. It is. Uh, Story-wise, the whaling centers around South Korean Buddhism or shamanism. And on on thematical side, it its pivot point is very much in Christianity. Yeah, so essentially, if you haven't seen the film, it's kind of discussing Christianity. It's talking this ancient... Uh, beliefs you're not given a clear indication of what the end end result of the film is who is who is to blame but i certainly have my own way of seeing seeing things here and i believe you are vehemently gonna oppose that we'll see first of all there is this uh, guy who lives on on top of a hill a japanese guy japanese 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 the japanese guy did it the japanese is evil this stranger, we must get him and get the lynch mob. Police forces are not able to do anything, so we get the rights into our own hands. Let's get this Japanese guy. Get it, get it, get it. So all of this punching back Japanese guy theme indicates to me extremely heavily that the director is not wanting to keep him, him as the bad guy. On the contrary, it's the same fucking thing once again. All the ways chasing back from the chaser. As I stated, the marginalized of the society are the prostitutes. In the Yellow Sea, it's a young Bian dude coming from the third Korea. And in here, it's a Japanese guy. So it's it's giving kind of the, the false leads also for the audience. There is a series of deaths that happen after the Japanese guy arrived. And all this, like, do you really want to go down this path? If this is gonna be your antagonist, and I'm, I, I believe it's not our antagonist of the night. This film speaks to me as being kind of a zombie flick when you start watching it, but then it's something entirely different. You could argue that we're dealing with zombies as well, but some kind of a living dead creatures, yes. So it's nice you can't kind of pinpoint what is gonna happen with this film. When I started seeing these zombie-like creatures, I was like, okay, yeah. I'm ready to turn this off any minute now, but fortunately, we have some something else going for it. I've, I've, you know, I, I have seen my zombie films for this year. What's the teaching of the film, Henrik? If you are a shitty cop, the devil will curse you. Is that it? It's it's more on the Christian side. It's about putting your faith or having faith on someone, even though. Essentially, the reality surrounding you would be hinting you on the other direction. There's some Christian symbolism here, definitely. So the rooster is seeing there three times, getting back to the New Testament. Pretty much also having that scene thematically exactly at the same point that as, as it happens in the New Testament. And well, to, to really tie it down with Christianity, there is the, the whole opening line that, that opens the film, which is, which is from the Bible at the moment when Jesus Christ, after his resurrection, appears to his apostles 
and and, and ma- ma- makes the case that that am, am I not real to you at this moment? Yeah. In Asia, there's an ancient belief that you need to use poison against poison. So hence you have the, the Japanese shaman who's using the photos, etc. Same tactics that the demon does. So he fight, fights the demon with the same deeds. I deduce that the photos, they are either burned by the shaman or taken by the ponytail shaman. Whichever way. We Anyway, at the end of the film we see a bunch of photos, which could be the same ones. Yeah, they, they are the same ones. The, the Japanese guy is, is, is literally the devil. And you, you should get him out of the South Korean village as soon as possible. No, no, no. So yes, yes, yes. You, you, you can see it in, in the in the closing of Cave Sarge. No, actually. So the, the film is giving you a lot of hints throughout the way that the, the Japanese guy has nothing to do with it. It's giving also some indications for it that the Japanese would, guy would be behind it. But the more we get to this, the more we progress with the film, we see, for example, the shot where the the shaman is doing the shaman thing. And after the fact, when it's interrupted, the Japanese guy gets up and notices that this guy is no longer in the car. So this, this guy has reanimated and is now causing some havoc towards the, the policeman and the whole lynch mob that is going to come to the house. And the Japanese guy is totally horrified about the fact that is because he wanted to keep this guy not reanimated. He wanted to keep the guy killed as he was. And now that he is reanimated, he is shocked and he he escapes the lynch mob and then sees the woman again in the distance who is behind all of this. No, the, the, the lady is the guardian spirit. No. Who, who tries, tries to oppose opposed the Japanese demon and the ponytail shaman who are in cahoots together. Well, you know, the, the woman has cursed both of, both of these characters. As you see, this noble character, this woman, throws the Japanese guy on the windshield of the car so that he essentially dies. But then the woman re- reanimates this Japanese guy and now he definitely is in cahoots with the woman because he has been cursed and uh, reanimated for her deeds. Yeah. Yeah, by the end, uh, this guy is possessed, the Japanese guy, by the devil, and in the cave he speaks via the devil. That's how I took it. And notice, notice how all the victims have red or yellow eyes, so it's just like the so-called devil in the cave. You can Yeah, t- who, yeah. Who, who, who is the Japanese guy? No. That's just like the Japanese guy has the, the whole devilish red eyes in the beginning of the film when he's first seen. Of course, he's possessed. Or it's been, been depicted by by the people, the eyewitnesses who have seen him butt naked, eating raw, raw deer and stuff like that in the woods. Well, when it comes to this woman that I'm going to call crazy woman, the, the, the woman still smashes the Japanese guy on the windshield and then asks the bleeding shaman to leave and likely then throws shit at his windshield right after 
or the Japanese guy not permit, permitting his accomplice to leave, if you will, or the good Japanese shaman is throwing in kind of the last efforts to get rid of the evil Korean shaman and his woman accomplice before the Japanese himself gets to be consumed by these two, whichever way. But th- this can make only sense if the Korean shaman uh, is possessed also by the lady because he's also trying to help the Japanese shaman. Then yeah, again, that, 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 that is, that is, that is, that's precisely why it may, why the case, most logical case here is that the Japanese guy is cohoots with the ponytail Korean shaman and they are the two bad guys of the film. Maybe. But then again, there is the cock crewing those three times. Symbolism from the Bible and is this denying her three times? Is she a Christian ghost or just messing with the father, wasting his time? Notice how also he is always late to every occasion and will be now too, thanks to this this woman. And in my view, she is still the personification of evil who corrupts all the characters in the film. When it comes when when it comes to a cock or the rooster, yelling three, uh, shouting three times, it as you pointed out, it it alludes to the New Testament. But the core of that moment in the Bible is is precisely the fact that it's in precisely the moment when Peter fails to believe in Jesus. And what Jesus is saying to him, like there, there, there is the, the essentially the the whole statement goes that the, Jesus tells to Peter that before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times, and Peter is uh, does not believe this is headstrong in in the fact that he is devoted to Jesus and would never never deny him. And later on in New Testament, there comes the moment when when Peter deny, denounces Jesus three times, and then the the rooster crows, and Peter realizes that what Jesus was telling him before it actually what was the truth that that ended up happening, and that's the same thing that happens with the wedding's de- ending and with the rooster there. The lady is telling uh, telling our main hero that if if you Returned back to home as would be his first instinct in that moment. You will destroy my protective spells or the trap that I have laid out for for the evil spirits, wanting to harm your harm your family, and that will lead into catastrophe for your for your family. Your daughter will commit acts of violence, and <laughs> the main our main hero refuses to believe that runs back home before the rooster has crowed three times. And, well, as, as we see, it, it leads into the trap withering as he passes his doorstep, and what he ends up finding is, is the slaughterhouse. Yeah, or it's it's the trap that activates once, once he goes there, the trap that is meant for the father who gets into the trap of the woman, like you have in the beginning of the film, one of those crumbled down school-like, may I add, like, school-like looking leaves of, of this thing, similarly crumbled down. Yeah, which, once again, would tie into a protective trap laid out against the evil spirits. Yeah, yeah, it could have been. I guess you can theorize that it would have been meant for the shaman, but then again, 
if he would arrive there and everything would happen in the same order, then everything everybody would have been fucking dead already. Anyway, yeah, yeah, there is the the father sins fucking in a car. So yeah, yeah, this the character is very sinful, and there is the rock throwing reference to Bible in the John eight and seven. He or I guess in this case she. She that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone. As she casts or throws the cups with the stones. But can you imagine how how hurtful that must be when you have a South Korean film and a Christian woman who is kind of doing the Lord's deed and then you have the village fool or the village devil who is Japanese and looking at the way how the general population in this country see each other only 17% of South Koreans like the Japanese or think of them as favorably and this number for for the Japanese towards South Koreans is 15% and then making Japanese your main antagonist really well you you have just been you know headstrong about about Japanese characters in in any any Korean film film oh. ever ever since we we landed on North Korean Hongkyudong and it's it's a depiction of the Japanese ninjas who were the the bad guys women women stealing bad guys of the last third third of the film this is not nothing more but except the Hongkyudong traumas creeping back in. No, but really, these are actual statistics that have been <laughs> measured. Yeah, but I really wouldn't go that rat road if I were Nanjing, but what do I know? Some further points about the Korean shaman. Wears the same so-called diapers as the Japanese man. So they're both shamans and evil shamans, is that, that it? Then there is the, the, the ritual and the girl suffering at the same time as the shaman hits the, the wooden statue. Actually, the wooden statue is Jan Sung. Could be kind of a good indicator that he is malevolent either via the hand of the woman's actions or is just malevolent and working for the Japanese, if you will. Uh, a Jan Sung is it's a village guardian for the Koreans, a Korean totem pole made of wood. So it's been traditionally placed on the edges of villages to mark boundaries and fight demons. At the end, the Korean shaman also takes these photos. Notice notice how, by the way, the Korean shaman, he's on his way to go supposedly help this cop and the family. But on the way, he is stopped by the woman. Then he starts nosebleeding like hell at that point and starts puking some awful shit. And then she, she tells him to go have your thing is done somewhere else so he he leaves turns around takes the order takes the command in my view that was that now he's under a spell or is definitely terrified and is going to do all of this that we see later on taking the pictures and all the all the wrong steps this is a change in his character right here not not that big of a change. He's just terrified because of the the guardian spirit. Like up until that point, uh, the the Korean shaman has been free to do whatever he likes without anybody 
really physically opposing him at any point. And now at this point, he's for the first time in the film, the Korean shaman is in any type of danger because now he starts to bleed, which is enough to, to you know, scare him off and make him or, or at least tempt, tempt him to leave the village. Yeah, fair reading. If you want to go through that through it. I, I also am aware about the quote. The rat fell into the trap. So he he's in on it. But who's running the show? You might want to decide that yourself. It, it It's the literal Japanese demon in, in the game. Jesus Christ, if so. Then there are the crows. The crows, are, are they used for bad or good? Most likely bad, is my reading. And the shaman goes to collect this crow from... One of the, one of those containers at the family yard. Yeah, yeah, in in the pot of soy where there's one crow, it's a, it's a protective element put there by the guardian spirit. And as as the shaman breaks the vase, he also breaks the, the talisman or or you know, basically breaks the protective spell surrounding the house. Or that he was a good guy and try to get rid of this crow shit. There's also a deleted ending. There is, and I, I have stayed quiet about it because I I am not the biggest fan of of try trying to find find the the the, the, the seal the deal by looking at the scene that the director has left out of the film. But yes, as as you since you throw it out, yes, that there, there exists a deleted ending, which makes it even more clearer that yes, it was the Japanese guy and the ponytail shaman all along, as they ride happily together to the, well, not the beautiful sunset, but you know, a possible sequel or later adventures together to to kill yet another village. Or the misunderstood foreigner just simply wanted to give candy to this little girl and now has to leave the village because of all this scorn placed misdeedly on him. There's also that, that off-handed remark which would also suggest that the Japanese guy would have raped that one woman who ends up hanging herself from the tree early on in the film. Yeah. So you you have the the whole sweet candy and sexual assault. Yeah. Well, once again, headstrongly, I took that as a, as a story simply circulated around the town, which never took place. Uh, yeah, that that's one of the stories surrounding the Japanese guy who, which is not confirmed. Yeah. But this is how the director intended the whole thing. He wanted to be wanted it to be as ambiguous or as multi-layered or multi-decipherable as possible, so that there would be at least three different types of interpretations from different people in the audience. So the people who think that they kind of absorb everything and understand it in some way that seems to be kind of the the, the absolute truth. And those people who kind of miss parts of it. And then the third group was, I believe, the people who just make up shit as they, as they go along, which is kind of what you might have to do if you want to, you know, reach some conclusion about the story. 
An interviewer asked the director, quote, This interview is mainly going to be read by American readers, some of whom may not be so familiar with your work. Is there any kind of message you'd like to give them as a way to prepare for the unique ride they'll get in The Wailing? And the director responds, I have no idea what kind of person you are to watch my film. Nevertheless, I tried to make a film for you. Whatever ideas come to you while you watch the film, they're yours. I want this film to be your own. On the other hand, there is one thing I wish everyone who watches this film to feel, regardless of who they are. A condolence for those who disappeared after having fallen as victims of the world, and for those who are left behind. I sincerely wish this film gives you some time for condolences. End quote. Here the director is kind of referring back to what he told, what happened to he in his life after making The Yellow Sea. He was constantly in funerals of his friends. And in South Korea, apparently, the funerals run for three days traditionally. So you have a lot of time to contemplate and think about your friends. And while doing that, he started to get the kind of the ideas for, for, the, for the whaling, which deals with death or the concept of why. Why was it these people that had to die or suffer this film probably doesn't really answer that but but that was kind of the driving force well it it does kind of answer it it's it's a different question if if the answer is satisfying to anyone that the film states that what happens in the film happened because well essentially because just a pure shit luck like the the, the village ends up tied with this this demon who as as the film points out essentially is just you know throwing his fishing line like yeah. spiritually speaking and seeing what bites and those who bite are the one who ones who become possessed yeah yeah good one this director seriously has some problem with the police force even it ends with the dialogue it's okay you know that is a policeman and credits Well, usually they end up doing that. Anyways, uh, but to me, that's one of the running themes when it comes to South Korean cinema. It, it is the, the, the nature that they quite often are extremely critical of, of the surrounding society and its institutions. And, and one of the institutions that usually get put into a critical light would be the police institution. Mm-hmm. Okay, I tried to think of similar examples, but do you have anything as an example? Oh, well, hard to say from the top of my head. Infernal Affairs would be the first one that comes to mind. Basically, the criminal element is extremely capable of, of infiltrating the cops. God knows how many times. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, memories of murder, obviously. Yeah, yeah, obviously, obviously. Uh, basically, uh, all, all the films stemming from, from the director of Memories of Murder, the, the, the cops are largely incom incompetent in Mother as as well. Yeah. And it's, it's surprisingly tricky, tricky to actually start to, to name, name South Korean, like certifiably South Korean films on. All of the top of your hat, 
there is kind of that corrupt behavior by the police also in the beginning where he decides not to enter the crime scene because he'd rather stay eating some lunch or breakfast or dinner with the family before going if you want to read it that way yeah to me it it once again it's it's incompetence hmm. and and a laziness yeah quickies mm. special mention for an actor goes to uh, for my end, it it goes to the the veiling and its its main characters actor Quakodovon, who, well, well, altogether for me, veiling was perhaps the hardest one to, to get into because because of the conflicting styles that also ties very much to Quakodovon's acting. Which which varies from well extremely outlandish and comedical, which is what he is in the beginning of the film, the to the much more serious and somber uh, performance that prevails at the at the second half of the wailing. So so there there is that that kind of two different styles that 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 go off and which did cause me some disconnect because I wasn't too too keen on the Wailing's more comedic parts and moments. And I kinda hated Kwakduvon's character at at the first half of the film when the comedic element was more present. But still still I I must give it to him. He 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 does give two very different type of performances in in course of one film. So yeah, Quack gets gets my nomination. Okay, if I were to pick also only one out of this these three films, so we don't spend the entire evening here in the lab, I would say that that goes to to Kim Yon Sok from The Chaser, as he gives a really top top performance here. Also, Ha Jung Woo. They have a great chemistry duo going on there, if you can call it that, with the with the killer there. But uh, I think his the, the performance is very natural. It just comes very easily for him. It is something great to see in in a kind of a kind of a breakout film. Or he's very humorous. Just kind of steals most of the show. It's also kind of the kind of the characters character that you see in the Yellow Sea. It's kind of maybe more of his personality that he's giving out. It's a kind of immediate response to things being funny, quick and efficient. What resonated with you most with these films? Uh, uh, that's kind of hard to say because because thematically they differentiate from each other quite a lot. But uh, for for me, pe- perhaps the, the the biggest kind of a combining element would be the the kind of a look on the the isolated and insular kind of a societal circles, as as we mentioned. But it's extremely badly worked out. But what I mean is is the the fact that. All of these films they take a look on on some t- form of an of a, of a smaller isolated social structure. Like in the Chaser, you you have you have the prostitution, and in the Yellow Sea, you you have the the immigration. 
and in in the veiling you would have you have the the isolated insular town or village so to me that's kind of what resonated the most okay perhaps for me it's the the way that these films are paced one could say that maybe the length of the yellow sea is not really justified we didn't really talk about the length of the films but the yellow sea runs for about two hours and 30 minutes if i remember correctly it doesn't really feel such of a as such of a long film there's a bunch of great scenes maybe the most memorable is the when he's trying to plan his kill in this in this building but then it gets completely twisted and he's not able to do that it's almost like a hitchcockian build up going there but then it goes into some weird direction all of a sudden but to get back into the point i think the most justified running time, the most cohesive, the most successful overall build for these films was in, in The Chaser, which runs for two hours. And the, the Wailing, of course, goes forever. And I had to look at my watch when, when looking at The Wailing. It didn't really captivate me. And maybe all those themes are not really something that I personally am looking for so much. And... But like overall, uh, it was interesting how he kind of shows to the audience that we are going this way, but then we are actually going the other way. For example, it wasn't so much about the prostitute as a character as it was about the societal issues and the clash of these two egos even really in the chaser. In the Yellow Sea, the whole taking into the Yanbian into the story, that resonated quite a lot with me. Because that makes for such an interesting setup where you have China, North Korea, South Korea, Yanbian, all of this together. You could make a lot of great action films out of this, I'm sure. Or any kind of thriller material is guaranteed with those. And the way that he kind of keeps the show going in the Yellow Sea as well, even though for me it was definitely the, hard, the hardest of this to follow. But um, but it's always, always engaging and... Maybe the most important thing in the Yellow Sea is that the action really fucking works. Also in the Chaser, it really, it really works. It it has like a meaning, a motive, and it's not just like what you see many times in some really tired action films, where it's just action for the sake of the action. Instead, it's very tied into the into the script. I would say, in one adjective or more, how would you describe these films? This is quite bad adjective, but quiet. And I, I don't mean that in, in the sense that these would be quiet movies. No, there's quite a lot of, a lot of sound. But in, in all of his films, even even in the most action-packed, The Yellow Sea, I found quite quite a lot of these, these moments where I, I felt the movie was emotionally quiet. Like, like it, it took its time where it kind of stopped for a beat every now and then. And where, where the film, films it, themselves were not trying to, to, to stro- forcefully build an emo- emotional attention. Like, you, you, get, 
get those moments. Uh, the whaling, in my opinion, is is the most clearest one of these. You you get a lot of lot of landscape shots. You get a lot of shots where people are moving slowly, or or not at all, and where where the audio of the film is uh, it's it's toned down. Like you you can you can see that there could be an attempt to build a stronger emotional effect connection to the movie, but the movie chooses not to do that. And I, what, what I mean is that type of quiet, that type of kind of taking your time and not trying to use every single second of, of your movie to, to build up some some type of a some type of a sense that that this here now is super important kind of, kind of a, taking a moment to breathe yeah one that sticks out to me is the uh, apart from the wailing is the, is the kind of the, the certain groundedness the realisticity that the kind of reduced colors or in the case of the chaser the re- reduced lighting really gives it kind of a this certain realistic umph which some people have commented though about that why have you made 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 this movie so underlit to which i would say well why not so realistic and brutal movies a lot of violence in all of them surely but not only that so tune in for the story there's a lot of it would you consider to watch this ever again i i would uh and most likely will at at some point a not not like any time soon, but I'm fairly confident that I I will revisit the movies at at some time. That the waiting perhaps be being the, the one that will take the longest time before I recheck it. Yeah. But yeah. but yeah, I I I do see myself what visiting the movies again. Yeah, funnily enough, the, the Chaser, I remember it being way more brutal and way more dark than I remember it. Somehow I, I remember it being some kind of a, even like a Saw film where you had a hell of a lot of cutting of body parts visible on the scene and blood spilling everywhere. There's blood spilling, but not that much. It's more in, in your head and when the, the bad guy locks the girl inside the in, in, inside this flat and has sees the kind of... A, bad luck on the door you know that was built so well that that was truly so exhaustingly painful just on an emotional level even before any body parts were were cut and i i actually see mostly the chaser as the most (laughs) watchable film out of this uh, in a way of once again how it's built and once again even though it is a violent film it is the easiest for me to watch. It's my favorite out of these. I can get, say that already. But um, the Yellow Sea, yeah, surely I will return to it. The whaling runs for too long, so I'm not going to look for it very soon. Do you think the films have any staying power or legacy? Um, most likely, yeah. Like in in the whaling's case, kind of has become such of a big thing. That I I would say that will last. When it comes to the Chaser and the Yellow Sea, those are kind of harder harder films to 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 estimate how much lasting power there is. 
I I I don't know if they are kind of, kind of if they have been been found enough, but it kind of comes down to depending on exactly how much oomph the waiting can eventually master up for for chaser and the yellow sea. I I can see that they may yet build build the lasting power in in western territories. They may become like especially the chaser may become some type of a you know cinema club favorite at at some point. But in in my opinion it it relies a lot on what type of a legacy, how strong legacy the veiling will will leave on its wake. Yeah, nevertheless, I, I guess we can agree that Da Hongqing is the kind of director that our eyes will be peeled on and will be very much looking forward to any of his future endeavors. And there is one such endeavor uh, still about to come, but I believe slowed down considerably by our friendly neighborhood, Corona. But staying power and legacy, well, I did stumble upon one review that basically stated something like about Chaser. I've seen this so many times before. I don't really get anything out of these type of films anymore. And I think that is a huge misservice towards towards the film. If you're going to see this as some kind of a saw type of a film that is just blood, guts and gore for the sake of it. Which it's, it's, it's not, so... Yeah, but but you know, having seen it before doesn't necessarily mean that it's it's been. Yeah, maybe uh, that's how I, I I read the writer. So sorry in advance if that's not what you were looking for, or you were going for. Okay, hard to say since I I haven't seen seen the review that. Yeah, and anyway, you're describing. Anyway, the overarching point: watch this for the plot, and not for the gore. Yeah, most most definitely that. The these are not that gory movies, so if if that's why you are trying uh, coming to check them out, you will be disappointed most definitely. Yeah, keep in mind that <laughs> Henrik has been watching a lot of blood guts and gore. So, on the scale of Henrik, two, maybe three. <laughs> what you recommend, Nahunting? Uh, I would, I would, uh, from his films, that the Yellow Sea, perhaps, is is the, the most, like, tonally ca- casual, easiest to get into, seeing how, how it is, well, action thriller, essentially, and everybody is quite familiar with action thrillers, so... Uh, it's because of that. I would I would say it's it's the easiest one to approach from these three films. Um, the Wailing. Well, everybody has been talking about the Wailing. Uh, it uh, it is pretty effective little thriller film. My my biggest issue with the Wailing would be the that I wasn't too keen on on the the kind of tonal difference within the film i wasn't like too too interested on on the more comedical aspects of of the wailing what, but wait uh, what what is comedical about the wailing especially uh you you mean d- despite the, the whole 
main character bumbling and stumbling around the crime scenes, yelling and being scared all yeah. the, the goddamn time, hiding behind his, his desk. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, I found the comedy, as I said, much stronger in, in, in Chaser, so anyway, I wasn't bothered. Well, carry on. But yeah, yeah, uh, that's that's kind of a, my personal issue. Uh, I've understood that a lot of people kind of really like like the tonal shift in in the wailing, and and the chaser. Uh, w- once again, I myself I did have a, a slight problem with the tone of the film. That that. <sighs> As as already mentioned, the, the whole it's it's a it's a detective film where the, the detective does not know the case he's studying, even though the audiences are extremely well aware that this is a serial killer case, and where be, because of this there also is kind of this stumbling effect in the well e- even solving the whole case, basically by anyone, but. Once again, yes, that's kind of my my personal problem, and it's it's not really that that strong issue with me that I wouldn't recommend the film. I do think that it's it's fairly mm-hmm. fairly effective little thriller movie. So yeah, yeah, I I would from my end recommendations all around. Uh, how would you rank them? personally uh from my end um kind of hard to say because once again once again different types types of beasts my number one perhaps the yellow sea followed by the waiting and the chaser would be the third on on the third place yeah this is more about my 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 personal favorites, as you, if you will, I'm not going to analyze the death anymore about the, you know, how these are structured and whatnot. But what I would m- most likely pick from the shelves from his filmography would be first the Chaser DVD, followed by the the Yellow Sea, and finishing with the Wailing. Complete the sentence, uh, por favor. You really know you're watching Nahun Jing films when when it turns out that. The Japanese guy really did do it. Nope. <laughs> or you really know you're watching Nahonjin. When you feel it in your gut, there's no mercy. But I would ask the audience to think twice before they claim that these aren't sophisticated social commentary. Because they certainly are at times. And also intelligent thrillers that do keep you at the edge of of your of your seat and never let go maybe the wailing could be a little tighter i must confess i didn't have have your problem with the wailing's running time okay it looks like that mr nahan jing is teaming up with thai filmmaker banjong pisantanakun to create his next movie rang chong which is a working title. Rang Chong means psychic in Thai. It would look like that it's coming out this year, but uh, stay tuned on that. We here at the Flick Lab will be following this every once in a while. Well, I believe that was Nahon Ching. 
Any thoughts before we head out of the lab? Not from my end, no. So after two weeks, in the next episode, we will once again go to Poland to finish our Janko Masa films, as we have already discussed Corpus Christi in one singular episode. Next time we would like to discuss Suicide Room, Warsaw 44, and The Hater from the same director. Sounds like fun times. It's gonna be suicide and depression and being an outcast of society. So definitely me, that. Me, me, and, me and suicide remarks being, being something that has been a staple on the, on, the past, on the latest episodes. Oh boy, what have I done? <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so, so keep, keep, keep those scissors ready, country. I I've, I've heard some rumors about the edi- editing jobs that have, have that you have had to do behind the behind the scenes. Janko Masa in a fortnight. See you then. Until then. Kyllä siihen taatusti se rakennuspalikat löytyy. Mm. Se on 57 leffaa, missä se on näytellyt. Niin, niin se, se, se täytyy jotenkin siis meidän saada rajattua. Mä en katso 57 Steven Seagal-elokuvaa. Oh, How come? Jumalauta, jossain jos menee itsensä kirjoittamisen raja. Mä vedin vähän teikäläistä, että mulla on notesia ihan missä sattuu. Vai johon siihen sekaan sotkuu. Ja on katkaisen nauhurit.